start off this morning by reading Colossians. I'm going to jump around. We've got a couple of things that we want to share and, and so forth. But I want to just start off with Colossians 1 verse 27. Um, because it says, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The fact that we have Jesus, not just with us, not just in our midst, but in us, that is the hope that we have. That is the hope that we have for the glory that is to be revealed. In Romans 8, it says that the present sufferings are not even worthy of being compared to the glory that will be revealed to us in the time to come. But it is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach. We preach Jesus no more, no less. I love that. that. That's our message. If you want to know what we preach here at Anchor Church, we preach Jesus, his finished work, the cross, who he is, how his uh, ability is made uh, perfect in us, and how we are able to mature in him. That is the whole message. Uh, we preach Jesus, no more, no less, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom that we may present them perfect in Christ Jesus. So we have this, we have this real heart, and this is our vision, is that we want to take every single life that God gives us the absolute honor and privilege of walking with, every single person that goes on this journey with us, and we want to teach them and we want to show them Jesus, that they would come to know him more and be more reliant upon his goodness and his grace, and as we behold him, we are transformed into his image, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. So, so we want to take every single person, and we just want to show you Jesus. We want to tell you about Jesus. We want you to experience him, and the more we behold him and see him and believe in who we are in Christ, the more we as a church will be able to present you as perfect in Christ Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. We want to present people one day um, as perfect in Jesus. And Paul says, in this I labor, we work for this. This is what we strive after, striving according to his power. That is so important because we never want to get involved in striving in our own power. Some of you are striving in your own strength in your life right now. You're striving to get that deal through or you're striving to, to keep your family together or you're striving to, to just hold on to your faith. You feel like it's slipping out of your fingers. And this morning, I wanna encourage you to let go because that's what Jesus has invited us to do. Come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, burnt out on religion, the, the message Bible says, and I will give you rest. So we strive and we work and we run and we labor, but not according to our own power, according to the power that is in Jesus, which effectively works in me, Paul says. So there is a power that we have to carry out the vision of God that is not of ourselves. God gives us that power within to strive towards something greater, to see every person perfected in Christ. And I wanna tell you that in terms of doing that, we haven't even begun yet. We haven't even begun yet. You are still getting in at ground level. They say it takes at least three years to start a church or to start a ministry or to get any kind of momentum. And we are not, we're not even at the three-year mark yet. We'll have our third birthday in April. It's gonna be a massive celebration and you should definitely come. Um, but, but we're not even at our third birthday yet. We are still getting everything in place. But God has been doing some really expensive things in our hearts and in our church um, in, over these past two and a half years. God has taken us through some really difficult moments. We've learned so much as a leadership. We've, we've even just, even just uh, I think eight months into our church's existence, we doubled all of a sudden. We went, we, we one Sunday, um, uh, just eight months in, we had over 200 people arrive at church and we were in shambles. We didn't know what to do with them. We didn't know how to get their details. We just, and then the next week, they just, you know, half of them didn't come back. And, and, and we were just like, we're not ready for this. We weren't ready for that quick 
quick growth that we had so early on. And uh, over this, these past months, God has helped us to get our structures and our, and our vision and, our, and, and everything that we do in place so that we can serve people better and so that we can make room for that growth. All right, and, and that's what God does. He helps us prepare. Um, there's a scripture in the, in the Old Testament where God told one of the prophets to go out and to dig some trenches. And he told them to dig the trenches because God will send the rain. And so what we've been doing in these first three years is the hard work of digging trenches so that we have space, so that we have room for the rain that God is going to send as he is going to bring about his will within this church. And um, so thank you to every person that has, that was an early adopter. You know, you get early adopters, you get, uh, then you get like your, your early majority, then you get your late majority, and then you get those people that are still using Nokia 3310s, even though those are awesome. Um, you know, your early adopters are the people that are willing to pioneer, to step into something, even though, you know, it's, it's not perfect yet, and it's difficult, and there's a lot of things to work through. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, we have an amazing team of people that were early adopters that said this church is still figuring things out. They're still finding their feet. They're still babies uh, in the ministry, but, but we are going to back them. We're going to be there. We're going to, and now we're starting to see God raising us up, presenting us in Christ. And we're just grateful for everybody that's been on the journey with us this far. And uh, I can tell you now that we haven't even begun to see that all, all that God will do and, um, and all the great plans that God has for us. Um, so I was praying about this year. Um, I spent some time, I went away for a few extra days to really just clarify in my heart what I felt it was that God was speaking to me um, about uh, 2018 and what it's going to be for us and, uh, um, you know, as individuals and as a church. And, and I really felt that God was saying that this is a year to move forward. This is a year that we will see great progress. This is a year that we will see an acceleration of certain things that, that, has been, uh, that, that God has been holding us back on because we weren't ready for them yet. I felt that there was going to be a release in our lives. And I really felt that as we fasted and prayed last year in November, we fasted for 21 days and just prayed about this year. I felt that there were some of you that had asked God certain things um, and you've been asking God for those things for many years. And I really believe that for many of those things, uh, God is going to bring an acceleration in 2018 into your life where you will see a fulfillment of those things in your own life. There will be a progression and it will be a year of taking ground, um, a year of restoration, a year of moving forward. And I have this real uh, excitedness in me about the months that lie ahead and, and where we're going. And, and so we're moving forward. And that's the title of the message that I'm, I'm sharing with you this morning is Moving Forward. We're moving forward. We've shared two messages in this, um, in this vein, on this theme, in the past two weeks that you can go and listen to. It's on our website and on SoundCloud. Um, and uh, we've just been talking about walking into tomorrow, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, but I really believe that we are moving forward in this year. And, and moving forward, for us as believers, is more than just action. It's actually faith. It's more than just something that we practically do. It's actually an expression. It flows out of what we believe about God and his presence with us. We believe that God is with us, therefore we move forward. I'm reminded of Moses who was on the mountain with God and he says, and God was calling them to move into the promised land, but he said, unless your promise goes with us, unless your presence goes with us, we won't go. Like we, we cannot do this without the presence of Jesus. And I feel like we know that God's presence is with us. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. He's with us and so... In faith, we don't have to wonder whether or not we can move forward. We just move forward. We just do it. We just go. Have you ever just closed your eyes and jumped? 
or just done something. Some of you are like, no, I never do that. I never close my eyes and jump. Um, but sometimes you get to moments where, where even though everything isn't perfectly set up and you don't have any guarantees, you just believe that God is calling you to step out and to do something. And so this will be a year for us to, to move forward by God's grace. Um, we looked also last week at about how uh, Joshua, when he came to, to the promised land and he was gonna lead the people into the promised land, how God gives Joshua a commandment and he says, have I not commanded you only be strong and very courageous? Only be strong and very courageous because I am with you. So that's the kind of faith that we wanna have as a church. That's the vision that we have is that we wanna be strong and very courageous because God is with us. Second Corinthians 3 verse 2, I think it is, is also a scripture that I've taken for me as, as, uh, as my scripture for this year and probably for many years in the future. But, but it speaks about how because we have this hope, because we have this person called Jesus, because Jesus is with us, because his presence is with us, we are, it says, very bold. We are very bold. We're not, a little, we're not, we're not timid in this. We may make a million mistakes, but we're going to make them boldly. All right, how many of you are up for making some bold mistakes this year, right? I would rather risk it and fail because I risked it than not fail because I didn't risk it, not fail because I, I, I stayed in a safe space. We wanna step out and be very bold and trust that God will help us every step of the way. Um, and, and that's something that for us as, as, as human beings uh, can be a challenge. Um, I, if any of, any of the ladies that um, have been pregnant, that have kids uh, and, and their husbands, you'll know that uh, pregnant wives normally have this, this phase, this intense phase that they go into um, just before they give birth, which is called nesting. Anybody ever encountered nesting, right? So you've lived in that house for 10 years, no problems, everybody's happy, but all of a sudden when the baby is about to arrive, there's this nesting that happens where, where you know, drawers need to go up and doors need to be fixed and windows need to be oiled and, and everything needs to be made perfect. And as people, no matter where we go, we have this tendency to nest, to create a comfortable space for ourselves. Uh, we, wanna, we want to create a, a, a space that we feel we can exist in with minimal distractions. And, and so we always, as people, tend to move towards comfort. Um, I do this when I drop my kids off. Anybody here got kids that you got to drop off at school early in the morning, right? My boy just went to grade one, and that means he has to be, the, the bell rings at 7.25. I mean, I don't know how any child can concentrate at 7.25. Um, and so my boys, I get them ready in the morning, and they're at two different schools, and so we have to drive out there. And one of the things I love doing, a Monday is my day off. And so I'll have them at school um, early in the morning, you know, seven o'clock, Eli will be at school and the twins will be at their school. And, and uh, what I'll do is I'll then drive home and I make sure that I put on, you know, clothes that looks like I'm going to gym. So it's nice and comfortable. It doesn't take me long to get ready. Whatever, I just put on a cap. I drop them off at school. Okay, okay, love you, bye. And then I go back home and I get back into bed. And uh, it's the best because then there's no distractions, there's no more noise, everything is quiet, it's early on a Monday morning, and, uh, and I go back to sleep, um, which is amazing, and I, and I, and I love those moments, it's, it's really comfortable. Um, but uh, I was reminded of the scripture in Luke 9 where Jesus speaks about, um, about this, where, where there were some people that came up to Jesus and they said to him that they will follow him wherever he goes. Our, our call is to follow Jesus. Our call is to follow Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That's what we do when we put our faith in him, when we say yes to the call of God in our lives. 
But listen to what Jesus says when people said to him, we're gonna follow you. He says, as they were, it says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Now that is what we are called to do. So Jesus says this, which is a strange thing for Jesus to say. If it was me, I would have turned around, high five, said, thank you so much. I'm so glad you're on this journey with me. And I would have been really excited for one more person. But, but Jesus says, foxes have holes. This is almost a disclaimer. Jesus is giving a disclaimer to anybody that's gonna follow him. He says, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. There's your nesting, there's your comfort. But the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. The son of man, what a weird thing. I'm gonna follow you, Jesus. I have nowhere to lay my head. Okay, Jesus, I don't know what that means, but thanks. Jesus said these things sometimes, and um, I believe that what Jesus was saying is, is that there is a mission. When we follow Jesus, we get involved with his mission. We get involved with his plan. We get involved with his purpose. There's a calling and there's a journey and there is a mission for all of us. And that mission, which Jesus said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. So Jesus says, you gotta know that if you're gonna follow me, this is not just going to be a comfortable little space. This church is not just a place where you can come and sit on a Sunday and hear a message and, and, and then feel good about yourself and then, and then go to lunch. I hope all those things will happen. But, but, but more than that, we are called to follow him. And Jesus says, I want you to know that when you really sign up to follow me, it's not all about your comfort anymore. It's not all about how much you can nest anymore, how much you can, you can carve out a great little uh, space for yourself it's not about comfort, it's about people. It's about a mission, it's about a vision. And so you gotta know that I have nowhere to lay my head. I have nowhere to lay my head on this, on this mission. What I love is, um, is that, that Greek word there is klene. Klene, where Jesus says, I have nowhere to, uh, that whole phrase, um, to rest my head, is klene. And klene is found uh, in another part of scripture, uh, in John 19, verse 30, when Jesus was on the cross, and it says, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head, Cliné. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So Jesus had nowhere to rest his head until he hung on the cross and the work was finished, and then he rested his head in the knowledge that he had saved us, that the work was done, that he had completed everything necessary to bring the people that were separated from God back into God. And then he sends us, then he, he calls us to walk in that, that, the, that, that, that same rest we can call people to is the, the rest that Jesus found. Jesus rested his head in the finished work of the cross. And so in John 20, 21, he said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Even so I am sending you. We are now sent, even as Jesus wouldn't rest his head until he had saved us. I am willing to, even though I, we can't do this unless we begin with rest. So we can't step out until we've rested in Jesus. But having rested in him, we do what Paul says. We strive with the energy that God so graciously gives us to see people presented perfect in Christ. And we won't rest until we see them rest in Jesus. Cliné, to rest our head. All of us are called to do that. So we're passionate about the future and, uh, and we're ready to move forward and, 
And the Bible talks about so many times, so many scriptures, go and look at this. So many times it says, there's no turning to the left or to the right. We don't veer off course. We keep walking ahead. We keep moving forward into what God has for us. Each one of us with no turning to the left or to the right. Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world. I want you to preach the gospel. And so that's what we're gonna be doing in 2018. So um, really quickly, we're gonna move forward in, in, in three ways. And I'll get to the practical things now in a moment. But, but number one, we're gonna move forward in grace. We cannot move unless we move in grace. Because anything else is us moving in our own strength, which is really like just going in circles or more like going backwards. The only time we progress as people is when we progress in Jesus. In Ephesians, it says that if we don't hold fast to the head, if we don't hold fast to Jesus, if we don't hold fast to his gospel and to his message and to his grace, and we try and do things in our own strength, it says that we grow, but with a growth that is not from God. So we'll grow in pride and we'll grow in, in arrogance and we'll grow in self-righteousness and we'll grow in, in all kinds of other things, but we will not grow with the growth that comes from God and that's not the kind of growth I want in my life. I don't wanna just become a better version of the sinful self that I was. I wanna be the new creation that Christ has called me to be and when I move forward, I wanna move forward in Him, further away from my old self and closer to my true self in Jesus. And so we're gonna move forward in grace because there's no other way for us to move forward. I love the fact that Jesus raised and healed and, and touched so many paralyzed people. I think there's a powerful message in, in Jesus doing that. When he came across people that were lame, and Jesus actually said this in Luke 4 verse 18, he says, the spirit of, a, of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, and he goes on to say that the lame may walk. And we are all lame in our own strength. We cannot achieve anything, we cannot attain anything, we cannot accomplish anything, especially nothing of eternal value. But in Christ, the lame begin to walk. The lame begin to walk, like the man at the, at the gate called Beautiful, who all of a sudden, he had been lame for 40 years. He jumps up and he runs around and begins praising God. That's what we're gonna be able to do this year because of the grace of God. Without him, we cannot walk, we cannot do anything, we cannot change anything, but with him, all things are possible. In Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says this. He says, but none of these things deter me. There's nothing that's gonna deter me. Paul was so focused on what God had called him to do. He says, nothing is gonna deter me, nor do I count my life as valuable or as of value to myself. This is not about me. It's not about my own life so that I may joyfully finish my course. God had given him a race to run. And Paul says, I don't, I'm not gonna be deterred. I'm not considering my own life as valuable. Uh, what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be finishing the course, the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus. So Paul got a ministry from Jesus. What was that ministry? To testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel of God's grace is the only gospel. He says that in Galatians. He says that, 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 that there is only one gospel and everything else is just a perversion of the gospel. So this is a message about the grace of God. The grace of God, we all need to understand what that really means because a lot of people think it just means that you were forgiven of your sin. It's not. It's Jesus. It's his presence. It's his power. It's his ability. It's the future that he has for you. It is everything that we have is by grace because we could not deserve a single thing. So, we testify and we will finish our course of moving forward in grace in what God has called us to do. And we're gonna do that same thing year in and year out. 
year in and year out, no matter what else changes, we are always going to help people rest in Jesus, to find their clinet in Jesus, and to discover what the grace of God really means, and to discover their true identity, and to walk in their righteousness in Christ. So we're going to move forward in grace. Number two, we're going to, walk, we're going to move forward with passion. We're going to move forward with passion. You see, if, if you're religious and you just do religious things, it's really hard to be passionate because being passionate means that you have to kind of churn up the, you know, the, um, you know, the, have you ever seen when the lights go out in the movies or whatever and it's like old days and you get the guy who, who's on the bicycle and as he, you know, steps on the bicycle then like a light globe goes, uh, uh, you know, light bulb goes on and there's a little bit of light. But the moment he stops pedaling on the bicycle, the, you know, the light goes down again. <laughs> if you've ever seen that, it was only me. But, um, but for so many people, spiritual fervor and, and, and passion, it feels like that. That, okay, come, I'm going to church now, so I've got to start pedaling this bicycle. I better get passionate because if I don't worship with my hands up and I don't make a big noise, then people are going to kind of know that I'm not really into it this morning. So I'm going to go in there. And a lot of people approach church, and it's a big, it can be a big act. It can be a big, I've got to, I've got to kind of try and show myself as, as passionate this morning. But we don't want that kind of passion. We'd rather have you sit in your chair. We want authenticity here at Anchor Church. And we know that an authentic passion for the gospel comes from one place, and it's from knowing the gospel. It's from when you realize, when we realize, if, if, the one thing that gets me every single time, no matter how much, everything else can become dreary in life. You know, you get a new car, it gets old. You move into a new house, eventually it's just an old house. It, you know, you, doesn't matter what you do, everything wears off. The one thing that keeps us passionate and that doesn't ever wear off is the knowledge that I am a sinner that could never save myself, but that God loved me so much that he gave his own son. And because of that, I get to be involved with his plan on this earth. The grace of God towards me, that kindness, that love, that, that forgiveness is the one thing that, I'll, that will never lose its, its, its appeal for me. It will hold our eternal fascination um, in, the, in what the goodness of, of Jesus really is. So, so that is what we have. We have passion the gospel makes you passionate. Um, and I remember, and I, and I spoke about this earlier, when I was still about 17 years old, I was leading in a youth ministry. It was a, a quite a large youth ministry. And, uh, and I remember that I was standing, worshiping one Sunday morning amongst all of these young people in this, in this building. And, uh, and I prayed, and I, and I said, God, give me a passion for people. Give me a passion for people. But I didn't understand quite fully what I was asking at that time, because Later, I found out that the root word, the Latin word for passion, is the same word as suffering. Any of you know that? You're like, I'm passionate for something. Being passionate about something means what you're ultimately saying is I'm willing to suffer for this because I believe in it so much, because it means so much. And that's why the, the, you know, we have the passion of the Christ, the suffering of the Christ. That's the same root word. So when we say we are passionate about seeing the church grow and we are passionate about reaching people and we are passionate about revealing the goodness of Jesus to people, we're saying that we're willing to suffer for this. We're willing to die for this. We're willing to go out and feel whatever discomfort we need to feel in order to see people saved and see lives changed. And uh, we've got a team that was here at 5.30 this morning setting up and getting things ready. That is some passion right over there. That's some, some, some proper suffering um, that they were going through, getting everything ready. Um, so, not, you know, getting up at 5.30 is painful enough. Physical labor at 5.30 is, uh, is, is even more so. So God has given us a passion, and so we'll gladly suffer. We see in Hebrews 12 verse 2, which speaks about Jesus, and it says, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. For the joy that was set before him, he endured. Jesus was passionate. Remember, his clinet was in our salvation. And he was passionate about that. So passionate that, that even though he was facing suffering in the cross, a greater suffering than any of us could ever know, he said, I do it because of the joy that is set before me. And that's what we have when we have true passion for people. Jesus says, a zeal for your house, for your church, for your people has consumed me. It's, it's, it's eaten him all the way through. Some of you are gonna go out today and you're gonna consume some lunch. And you're probably not just gonna kind of pick little bits off of it and, and, and eat it. You're gonna consume it. And Jesus says, that's what it looks like with my passion towards the church, what I'm called to. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Finally, we're gonna move forward in, in, in grace. We're gonna move forward with passion and we're gonna move forward in the power of God's spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And he, he spoke to the disciples about this. And then in, in, in Acts 1, he says, but I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you have received my power from on high. And once you have received my power, you will be witnesses to me and of me in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea and to all the ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, I want you to go and I want you to fulfill this mission. I want you to move forward, but not in your own strength. I want you to do it in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to, to know that when you have my spirit, that you can be my witness, that you can be a witness of me to this world. So many of us worry about whether we have what it takes to be a witness to Jesus, whether we can share with our friends or our neighbors or our family members or whether we can be an example to them because we know that our lives are imperfect and flawed. But in the power of God's presence, even through your imperfection, God can reveal himself to others because it's his spirit working through you. And we don't have to wait anymore for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was already poured out in, Acts, uh, in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two. That spirit has been poured out. It frustrates me when people say, God, pour out your spirit afresh. Why? He's already done it. It's not like the Holy Spirit, you know, went up into heaven again and now we have to ask for him to come down every time we wanna see God move. He indwells us, he empowers us, we are anointed by him, and so, which means simply enabled and empowered by him. And so we can go out and, uh, and live the lives that God has called us to do. And all of this, as we said in our Heart for the House last year, is to see lives changed. This year, what 2018 is about is seeing lives changed. We're gonna move forward so that we can see more people baptized than ever before, more people come to know Jesus than ever before, more marriages healed, more relationships restored, more uh, healing have come, coming to people's hearts. In every way, we want to see lives changed. And that's what we're believing for. That's what we're praying for. And, um, and so that's what we're gonna do as we move forward in 2018. Amen?